Hello and welcome to Dragon Bites, the paediatric podcast aimed at paediatric trainees or anyone interested in child health. I'm Asim, one of the paediatric trainees here in Wales and one of the presenters for Dragon Bites. We're back to PEM again today, this episode focusing on the PEM interviews. So as previously, we're joined by Michael Fox, one of the PEM grid trainees currently working in Wales, and by Hannah Murch, a PEM consultant based in the University Hospital of Wales. Today we discuss what drew Hannah into PEM and and both Hannah and Michael give advice on how to do your best in the interview. Anyway, let's get started. Cool, okay. Um, So Hannah, um, it'd be great to get an idea about your um, your medical career to date as well. So yeah, can you tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are now? Uh, yeah, so I studied in Cardiff University and then basically haven't really left South Wales since then. Um, so I did my um, my core like foundation years and then peds training here, um, and then decided again like Michael probably fairly late on that I wanted to do paediatric emergency medicine, and then was very very lucky to get a grid place the year Cardiff first um, advertised a grid place, which I think I was hugely lucky on because. PEM seems quite competitive and I'm not sure even the current kind of calibre of people that are coming out that I've got a place but I was very lucky to get one um, and then finished my grid so that was in 2014 and then CCT'd two years ago now um, and then initially had a locum consultant job in Cardiff and now I've got a substantive one for the last uh, 18 months um, yeah and I love it I love my job and I'm very lucky I work with a fantastic team and you know it's brilliant so yeah I'm very happy now I mean, I'll shamelessly plug it, but I did work with you both um, almost a year ago now, and it's clear that you both love your jobs, and it's, it's just lovely to be around. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, when we're talking about why do you go into PEM, I think that's one of the reasons I went in. I think you've got to look at the consultants that work in that specialty. Are they happy? And obviously, I have very grumpy days, but on the whole, you've got to look at, are the people working in the job happy? Do they have fun? And for me, that's a real kind of game changer I'm going to the going to work but to work with my friends and do a job I love you know I'm going to be a consultant for the next 30 years you've got to love what you do that's a long time if you don't yeah absolutely and I def- I definitely echo that Hannah because a lot of, one of the big um, draws for me was having worked uh, with some of the Bristol PPD team prior to the application um, you know similar to you guys in Cardiff they were a very uh, functional team, very motivated, very enthusiastic, and you almost can't help but get swept up in that and want to be a part of it. Uh, so, um, Hannah, what was it that drew you to PEM then? Why, why, what was it that made you want to apply in the first place? Um, so I knew I loved acute paediatrics and thought that I would go into like a CAU type interest. So I went to speak to Zoe, who's one of the uh, consultants I work with now, who was kind of the only consultant in Cardiff at the time. Went to see if I could do that, you know, could I have some PTD experience? And basically she talked me into applying. And I kind of, again, like what Michael say, you get very swept up into, she's such a fantastic kind of person. I was like, oh, well, if you're doing it and you're working with it, let's give it a go. So I kind of went in slightly kind of the back door, really. I, it hadn't been something that was always what I was going to do. But as the training went on, because initially I thought, oh, maybe I will still have be a general with an interest type thing. But as the time went on, I realized it totally plays to all of my personality traits. So I slightly um, short attention span. So I like anything where really in four hours, 
the fun's kind of moved on and start <laughs> something fresh, which definitely appeals to me. Um, I love the fact that there's no clinics. And you see such a wide range of children. So you can go from children, you're in recess with the sickest child you've ever seen. And then after that, you're going to speak to a girl who's hurt her finger, but she did it whilst, you know, learning a TikTok dance, and then she shows you how to do it. I just love that kind of, not every child is sick and unwell, and there's still a lot of fun in it as well. Um, And I think that's probably one of the main draws for me, was that kind of just fun, but really, really bright, wide breadth. So in terms of, we always say paediatrics has got a huge breadth of it, but PEM is even more so because obviously by the time you've thrown in your trauma and your um, ENT, you know, there's never a dull moment. Um, So, yeah, so I think that's what I love about it. Oh, brilliant. Lovely. So should we move on to talking about the dreaded interview itself? Oh, were we not talking about that before? Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. This was worked as a a really nice casual lead into it. Okay. Excellent. So... um, uh, should, this time, should we start with you, Michael? What what can what do you think trainees can do to get themselves prepared for the interview? I know you've already mentioned a few things with those documents to look at, but is there anything else tr- trainees can do to get themselves ready? I think um, I think the first thing is to have a, a really good period of personal reflection about um, well about a lot of things. I think that should include why why you want to do PEM. Um, and what you think the attributes of uh, the perfect PEM consultant would be, and um, whether or not you can identify skills that you have that fit um, fit the skills that you think a PEM consultant should have. And hopefully what you'll find is that those two categories marry up perfectly with the personal specification. I think you've got to have really good think about the sorts of questions that might come up at interview, and that will be based on those the sort of list of documents um, that I mentioned earlier will, will at least give you a, a starting point for the sort of key issues um, and key areas that, that they might want to discuss. Um, so I think having thought about yourself, your key strengths and weaknesses, um, and how you'll answer questions about that, I think having a, a good structured answer to an open question like, why do you want to do PEM, um, is essential as well. Um, and then I think that especially with how busy pediatric emergency departments have become, especially in the winter months, um, thinking about other key issues at the moment like um, staffing and resilience and uh, staff welfare are also really important because they're quite topical. Do you, do you think the same, Hannah? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think that kind of, I mean, I wasn't going to be as philosophical as period of reflection, but I think it is really important. You don't want to sound like a robot when someone says, why do you want to do PEM? You do need to stop and think, well, why do I want to do PEM? And sometimes it's quite easy. That sounds ridiculous, but sometimes it's quite easy just to go along the kind of practice route of, of just churning out the answer. Um I think what you were saying about having structured answers is really important. So there are lots of different acronyms you can use for these kind of open questions. Um, I quite liked the the camp one. So why do you want to do PEM? So you'd answer with clinical, academic, managerial, personal, and and having kind of a structure of how you're going to answer questions that maybe aren't so kind of black and white um, is a really good way. Something else that I did in preparation for interviews was have a look on the ARCHEM website, because obviously 
you can go into PEM from, from the emergency medicine side as well. And so I think it's important, like um, Michael was saying about staffing and that sort of thing, is to have an awareness of the targets in the emergency department and um, and kind of the some of the slightly more adult-focused targets that we have but do are applicable to paediatrics. So I think it's important to be aware of them and aware of their implications for us in PEDS. I mean, that's, that's really helpful from, uh, helpful from you both. Thank you. Um, so, Michael's already mentioned a fair few useful resources, and you've mentioned a few there as well, um, Hannah. Are there any any other useful resources that are more sort of good for good, terrible English that are really useful for um, for interview prep? So when I was applying um, for GRID and going through kind of practice interview stuff, um, if you have a look just on generic, it's usually consultant interview practice. There's quite a lot of um, quite useful BMA um, uh, kind of interview preparation. It doesn't really matter what level you're going in for your interview. The, the practice is the same in terms of kind of uh, formats for the questions and the way of answering. Um, I wrote to my poor husband to listen to me because it's actually quite embarrassing to speak to somebody you know. But if you can get over that embarrassment and practice with someone you know, then practice, then answering in front of people you don't know becomes a lot easier. I also recorded myself because I waffle and talk really fast when I'm nervous. So I recorded myself and then could listen back to the answers, which is ruciatingly embarrassing, but was quite useful to kind of slow down and stop myself kind of going off on tangents. You're speaking to someone who's who's decided to make their personal hobby constantly listening to their own voice. I know, this I... is like my worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can completely feel for that one. How, um, what are your th- thoughts, not about recording yourself, Michael, what are your <laughs> thoughts about um, about other useful resources? Yeah, I think there are lots of interview books that you can get. Again, they often focus on uh, specialty interviews or consultant interviews, um, but the advice is all fairly uh, generic. I think having a, a good structure to answering questions is essential. Um, and I think that it's worth practicing answering questions out loud, uh, ideally with other people asking you questions in lots of different formats, so that if you get asked a question that you have prepared an answer for, but it's phrased in a slightly different way, that it doesn't throw you. And I would practice the opening uh, to all of my answers to key questions so that I had my key points across uh, within the first 60 seconds to to two minutes um, so that I could then expand on it afterwards if I was given uh, room to expand uh, or the interviewers could ask follow-up questions and I think that that will really help you distill down the core things core messages that you want to get out. That's the, I hadn't even considered that before that's a really helpful message thanks Michael. Yeah, no, I just think um, because most people, it's very easy to to just keep talking. Um, And then you want to make sure that as well as getting your points across, you give the interviewer uh, the space to ask you the questions that allow you to score the points that are on their mark sheet. Yeah, I think it's uh, having done a lot of medical school interviews. That's one of the key things you notice when you're the interviewer, isn't it? When you're uh, you're what you desperately want to do is help the person across from you score as well as they can and they can often be their own worst enemy by not shutting up yeah and it's very easy as an interviewer to switch off so unless you've said the importance of things straight away you run the risk that they're going to have switched off and not be like with all the goodwill in the world they may not be listening to what you're continuing to say 
<laughs> yeah, true, especially if that's the 10th interview of the day. Exactly. And I think practicing with as many different people as you can is also very helpful. So if you are able to talk to other good um, applicants, uh, even if they're from different disciplines and practice together um, and get feedback from lots of different perspectives, you'll be able to better shape your answers for interview. And if you've been asked all these different questions in lots and lots of different ways, then um, you'll be better prepared for the unexpected questions that they'll ask you on the day. That, an, extra, an excellent point. Thank you, Michael. Um, did, did either of you have any further thoughts on that before I move on? The only other thing I was going to say was that preparing for the interview and the whole grid process is quite stressful. You feel like the kind of the whole of your future depends on it in a slightly melodramatic way, but it is really stressful. So it's also about kind of managing that stress and making sure that you keep up doing the things that you enjoy and the things that take the stress away from it. Because what you don't want to do is arrive on interview day and be so tightly wound that you're not going to perform your best. And I know it sounds ridiculous, but just make sure that you continue going running or swimming or drinking wine or whatever you do to relax. Because I think it is a really stressful time in your training because you haven't had to kind of reapply for such a long time and go through the interview process that it does just feel really stressful when you get there. For those of you listening who aren't aware of this, um, Hannah is also our professional support unit lead for Wales, and you can absolutely see why. Isn't she fantastic? <laughs> <laughs> that was a great plug for looking after yourself right there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, what I was going to move on to next was um, the actual structure of the interview, the sorts of questions that tend to come up. Um, so can we start with, with you this time, Michael? So the interview that I had lasted about 30 minutes, and it was an interview with a, a panel of consultants from around the UK, um, and I think there were four or five of them in the room when they did that. And I think the interview questions, they each asked one and they broadly fit into the categories of um, a clinical scenario that you discuss, uh, a motivation to pursue the PEM career, um, something about past achievements and things that I was most proud of, um, and a bit about academic understanding and ability. And then a discussion that related to multidisciplinary team working as well and managing my own learning. And I think those are the broad categories that we discussed in the interview. Excellent. Thank you, Michael. Was it similar when you applied um, 8,000 uh, 8, years ago, Hannah? <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was totally the same, yeah. I think it was a clinical scenario that I was most worried about because obviously it could be anything. But, um, but and then I was worried that if I hadn't done um, PEM before, that I wouldn't be able to answer it. Would it be something that I hadn't done? But they, I think the thing to stress is they presume you haven't done PEM before. So therefore, it's going to be an acutely unwell child of some description. So I think mine, I got handed an ECG, which, I mean, immediately I was panicked, but it had <laughs> obvious hyperkalemic changes on it. And then we had to talk about, um, they ended up being in a DKA, I think it was. Um, but um, it was just a very kind of basic ABC approach of how I'd manage it and making sure that you're asking for help and you're calling your senior colleagues appropriately. But don't be worried about the clinical case because it's not going to be something you won't have come across before. Okay, that's reassuring to know. Um, did you have anything to add to that, Michael? Um, I had a very different clinical case to uh, to Hannah's. My clinical case was the uh, teenager who's presenting with their uh, sort of twelfth attendance with non-specific abdominal pain, but clinically very well. Oh, that's um, hard. Mm. How do you, how do you manage 
the situation of uh, the anxious parent and child wanting more investigations. And I can't be sure what they wanted from that um, scenario, but um, I took it to be a question about not forgetting um, the wider context uh, in which we practice. So thinking about uh, holistic care, safeguarding, um, whether there's uh, as yet undisclosed issues, um, as well as all the medical things, and then talking about how you bring in the, the wider team or how you facilitate a safe discharge. Um, so, and, and that's the way I took the question, um, and, but it was far less focused on the specific way you would manage the, the medical problem. Yeah, even though it is a, an entirely different scenario from, from Hannah's question, it's still true what Hannah said. I mean, that is something that is not unfamiliar to us in PEDS anyway. No, I, and I think it was a very fair um, clinical case to have in an interview, um, because I think it's very unlikely that if you're uh, at that stage of training that you wouldn't have at least come across it a few times. Hmm. Okay, um, so I didn't have any other specific questions about the interview, really. I think you've both given a really good overview about things that happen in them. But before I did wind wind this all down, I just wanted to check whether there were any other thoughts or, or bits of advice you had to offer about the interview. Um, no other specific points. I mean, for me, the things that worry me are where's the venue, how long is it going to take to get from A to B, all of those sorts of things, which may sound silly when you're not going for interview, but I think it's just important to make do your homework about how you're going to get there, are you going to go up the day before, all of those sorts of things, because actually once that's in place, everything else runs a bit smoother. Get there beforehand. There's a good coffee shop opposite. You can go and read your book in while you're waiting. Um, so, yeah, so just be, be prepared, to not just for the interview, but for kind of all the logistics of it as well. Because what you don't want to do is miss your train and then get stressed, and that'd be hideous. That, that's a really good point. I, I mean, this podcast, fingers crossed, will be up for years. And I'm sure it'll be relevant in years to come. But um, things having changed so much with COVID... I think all the interviews this year are going to be virtual anyway, but it's still important. Oh, I think, course, to, yeah, yeah. yeah, but I think I still think the point stands just slightly differently, isn't it? It's a case of getting yourself prepared and getting yourself in the right headspace, so as you're not panicked, you don't want to be walking into the interview panic. So have your game plan ready for how you're yeah. going to do your virtual interview. And I guess if you're like me and a dinosaur, Asim, as you alluded to, <laughs> just make sure that your technology is working then, because this is my biggest all is so if it is all virtual just make sure that you're you've got all of that working it's all charged up because that i think would, i would find that more stressful than a face-to-face -face one but um yeah yeah absolutely um michael how about yourself i think probably my biggest bit of advice is um when you're preparing to try and work collaboratively because it's really useful to get lots of other people's views whether it's people within the specialty or just other people who are applying um I don't know but what Hannah's experience was like, but when I was applying, there were lots of different people applying for grids, some the same grid specialty and some for, for other specialties. But there was, I think, a feeling of a bit of apprehension about working together because you worry that you would put yourself at disadvantage if you shared too much. Um, but I ultimately shed that off and, and worked with um, two or three other people, um, some of whom are applying for the same grid positions as me um, and I feel that we were all a lot better for it um, and uh, every one of us who was working together um, obtained a training number um, so uh, I think work collaboratively get lots of opinions um, and um, don't forget to practice 
interviewing out loud. Yeah, again, that's really helpful. Did you, did you have anything um, similar when you were applying, Hannah? So when I was applying for PEM, there was a, another co colleague who was going for it at the same time and wanted Cardiff. And so I spent my whole time thinking, I'm not good enough, I'm not going to get it. And, you know, you just don't know it comes very much down to interview and, and that I was lucky and I got it. So I think my biggest piece of advice was just believe in yourself as well. You know, you've got to this stage of your training. Um, you're, you've chosen PEM. That's an excellent choice. Therefore, you must be a good egg. And just <laughs> believe in yourself. Um, so someone told me, and I did it before my consultant interviews, about this whole power pose thing, which before I was a total skeptic, but you know when you stand in a kind of confident pose. So before my consultant interviews, I did it, took myself to the toilet and felt like an idiot, but it definitely does work. You've got to believe in yourself if other people are going to. Um, so yeah, so I think, yeah, working with other people is important, but it's tricky if you're then kind of comparing yourself to them. So um, I guess it depends who's around you, whether you want to work with them or whether it's just going to make you kind of feel a bit more nervous. But no, just believe in yourself. No matter what you're doing, you can do it. Well, that's a really nice message too. So I suppose there's ad advantages to either way. Um, and I, I suppose it's just, okay. I suppose the, the key thing is not to, if you are going to work collaboratively with others or not, I suppose the key thing is to, Focus more about what's good about you as a as a, an applicant rather than worrying about what's great about all the other people we work with. Yeah, and and that kind of goes against human nature, isn't it? It's really hard to do that. Um, but yeah, it is important. Fab. Um, any last thoughts, Michael? No. No, <laughs> Hannah. I guess the bottom line is that Michael both love our job, and most PEM consultants and trainees around you will do the same. So just approach people. But obviously, we're more than happy for us to approach that uh, for you to approach this. If you're listening and you want more information, that's absolutely fine. Yeah, I agree. Be more than happy to um, to offer advice and, and guidance to anyone. And I'd still very much encourage anyone with an interest in PEM to um, to try and make an application. Lovely. Well, thank you both very much, um, and it's goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Oh, and uh, goodbye from me. And thank you to Michael and Hannah for the fantastic advice they've given us there. We've alluded to a few things during this podcast, but I want to give a bit more advice from things I've heard from the Royal College when it comes to interviews this year, which is 2020, in case you're listening to this much further in the future. Given that we've had the recent COVID crisis, there are a few changes. So interviews are going to be held virtually, so there won't be any traveling to a central location. It's also worth bearing in mind that with certain subspecialties, there were previously interview stations such as presentation or critical analysis. And it seems that this is less likely to be involved in the interview this year. Of course, I can't guarantee that, and it's worth staying up to date with the advice on the Royal College website and through their webinars. So always double check before you take any of this for gospel in case things have changed since this has come out. Hopefully, further into the future, we won't need to worry about this so much, but certainly for 2020, we will. Join us again next week. Thank you for listening to Dragon Bites. Mm -hmm.